0: I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at macys.com slash own your style. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This may seem like this is for wealthy people, but champagne is at all different prices. And I don't know that many people that like champagne. Do you like champagne? No, I get so hungover. Okay, you get so hungover. I hear that from a lot of people. Do, do you on this uh, podcast, do you like champagne? Do you drink champagne? I can have the tiniest bit and then I get like immediately, it's like too bubbly. And then I'm just like tired and it's too drunk. So, you, so, so you're not a champagne person? No, so you're not a champagne person. I'm not a champagne person. Paul's not a champagne person. I've never had a friend who's a champagne person. I never hear anybody order champagne anywhere. So I don't know who's drinking all this fucking champagne. I think people are just spraying it on each other, putting it in, in, in rap gangster rapper videos. It's for nightclubs. I don't know who's fucking drinking all the champagne. Okay. Is Taylor here in the house? Mm -hmm. Taylor, do you drink champagne? Okay, so nobody drinks fucking champagne, okay? Does like your mom text your mom? Ask your mom if she drinks champagne. Does she, she drink gonna champagne? Say, no, she's going to say, no, it makes me hungover. Okay, so nobody drinks champagne and everybody thinks it makes them hungover. That's I've just done a focus group, okay? And most people don't drink champagne. And a lot of people think it makes them hangover. So how come every time something fucking goes wrong somewhere, they send you goddamn champagne? So you get to a hotel. Welcome. Here's a bottle of champagne. Okay, thank you. What do I do now? I'm not flying on a fucking Gulf Stream. So now it's going to stay here. You're going to give it to the next room. It's just this one, it's the same bottle of champagne going around the world. So that bottle is going to stay in that room. Uh, I'm going to now have to charter a plane because I don't like to waste. So I'm going to have to charter a plane for that cheap bottle of champagne to put in my suitcase. So then something goes wrong, a restaurant. Something's wrong. We're just going to send you over a bottle of champagne. You sit down. Let's send them a bottle of champagne. You got engaged. Send them a bottle of champagne. Something happened wrong. A Karen walks in and complains about the hotel. Just send a glass bottle of champagne to their room. You did great. Welcome. You're doing a speaking gig. Send the bottle of champagne. Why? We don't want the fucking champagne. Nobody wants the fucking champagne. Everybody gets the champagne. Nobody's drinking the champagne. It's a scam. The champagne is a fucking scam. It's that same bottle going everywhere. I want the cash equivalent of the champagne for the mistake or a gift card to, sh- to fucking a store that sells champagne because I'm on to you and I understand the scam. I don't want the champagne. I want whatever. If you are sorry or welcoming me or the gift or I don't want anything, make me a card. Make me pot brownies or Rice Krispie treats or something and don't put razor blades in them and I'll take that or the gift card to Old Navy or to Starbucks or get me a manicure. I don't even get polished so it doesn't matter. It's going to be 10 minutes. It's going to cost $5 but I don't want the fucking champagne because it's a scam. The bottle of wine is a scam too. We get it. Everybody sends bottles to other people. Put a ribbon on it and bring it to somebody fucking else's house because the only reason you're giving it to me unless it's the specific wine that I like which a lot of people like different kinds of wine. It's presumptuous. I like, Chard- Do I like Chardonnay. Do I like Chardonnay? Uh, Sancerre? Do I like Sauvignon Blanc? Do I like Pinot Noir or a Malbec or a, a, a Cabernet? It's presu- or do I like Rosé? It's presumptuous. You send me a bottle of red wine to my room, same problem. Now what the fuck am I doing this, with this? I'm giving it to the housekeeper so she can, you know, get drunk while cleaning the room. I don't think she likes red wine either. She's a person. Everybody gives it to, like, the housekeeper or somebody. And that's also, like, looking down on. Like, don't give me the goddamn bottle. Save your money, hotels. Don't give me the bottle of wine, okay? Give me some candy. Give me a Hershey's bar. Give me a bag of fucking Oreos. Give me something I can goddamn use. I don't want champagne. Give me a pencil case. Give me anything. I don't want the champagne. I don't want the red wine. I don't want the white wine. You're not allowed to tell me the kind of wine that I want to drink. And I'm at, well, I'm in a hotel. That's another scam. I'm at a hotel. You've done everything in this place to make it that I won't be in my room. You have a pool, a water slide, a bar. You have a kid's club. You have a disco. You have all this stuff. You have an all-you-can-eat buffet. You have all, you have all-inclusive. You're giving me a bottle of wine in my room. That's a scam. I don't want it. I want the money equivalent. If I am engaged, make a mistake, you, you want to say sorry, something happens a welcome gift. I don't want the, I want not champagne, wine, or anything. It would have to be something like a bottle of tequila that's clear, that's good quality, or 1942 that I could at least give to somebody as a gift. But I'm on a vacation, so I can't take it with me. I'm not on a private plane, so give me the cash equivalent. Give me a Starbucks card, okay? Give me something I can really fucking use. It aggravates me every fucking time. And if I bring it to somebody's house, they know I was staying in a hotel room. They fucking know I didn't buy that bottle of wine either. So the scam continues. Some people like, what's the other one? Like, Prosecco. I don't know what the fuck that is. is that, and I used to make it. Sparkling wine. That's okay. That's a sparkling wine. I don't want it, though. You know when I want that? At brunch, when I'm celebrating somebody else having a baby, which I never want to do either. So that's how much I want Prosecco, okay? We can go into baby showers and bridal showers, too. Not a huge fan. So I want to know, I want to hear hard, cold, hard facts about champagne and who really wants it. And who wants a bottle of wine that you didn't choose red or white in a room. And wouldn't you rather just take, they could take the shot, do some market research, give us a bottle of vodka. Someone drinks vodka. Or give me a little flight of a cute little miniature bottle of vodka and tequila or something. But I don't want that. We don't want that. We're going to buy that. We're going to buy that. We're going to buy that at a local store. We're in a hotel room. We're going to save money. We're going to buy that and make our drinks in the quantities that we want. That's a piss me off kind of move. I don't like it. And then you're collecting. Something else happened tomorrow. Some mistake. Now you have two bottles and you know that's like a hundred dollars. It's Vauclique Co. and you're leaving it there and you're wasting. It. What do we have to do? What are we gonna do with this? Oh my god, it's such a waste. What do we do with this champagne now? What do we do? Give it to the housekeeper? Do we give it to somebody else? Oh, the guy that's driving us to the airport. Let's give it to him. What about the guy yesterday? He took us on a shark diving adventure. He'd like it. Let's get his name. Let's spend fifty dollars on an Uber getting to his fucking house to get it to him. Cause I don't like to fucking waste. So who's gonna get take it? Give it to the valet parker. Give it to somebody who works here. I'm not giving it back to the manager. He gets free champagne. He works here. He's the one who gives it out. He runs that scam. So who the fuck are we giving it to? It's going back in there. It's bullshit. I'm going to call next time. Let's just say it. Hi. Google the price on on wine.com. This champagne is $42.99. It's probably wholesale $25. You can easily take it back and take that off my bill. Thank you very fucking much. Disclaimer, and I've done it. At Christmas time, if it's a very expensive bottle of Veuve or Dom or something that someone gave me that's in like a box, like they have like special boxes. I saw it at Paul's mom's house and I'm going to steal it next year from her guest cottage fridge because it's been in there for three years and now we fucking know why. It's a bottle of Veuve Clicquot, but it's like wrapped It almost looks like like a mesh, cool, like sports material. It's like almost like a little like champagne caddy, but it's been there for three years. I'm waiting. When it's there for four years, I'm going in. I'm like, okay, it's been here for three years. I'm taking it, I'm giving it to somebody as a Christmas gift. So I'll give like if it comes in one of those big elaborate boxes, or like it's like a fancy box that like will be decorative on a bar, you know, then it's like a purse, then it's like a statue. Now it's like a perfume bottle where it's like decorative. That's my disclaimer. Or if it's the most stunning bottle ever that's my disclaimer for Christmas. So I'll put a fucking bow on it and give it to somebody else at Christmas. But that's the, st- I'm in on the scam. That's the point. It's all a scam. I'm part of the scam. I'm just moving the Ponzi scam. And that's what a pyramid scam is, by the way. A pyramid scam is get people to come into the bottom and just move to try to get out at the top. So they pay $50 and then that group of the bottom, two, three—two hundred $200, that 200 goes to the next round and then goes to the top and the person at the top takes all the money from all the layers. That's the champagne scam. We're just trying to get out of the scam. I just want to get rid of all of my bottles and get out. And I want any more. I don't want to go back in. So I don't want more champagne bottles. I would like to hear from you if anybody drinks champagne. And not because it was sent over to you. Not because you want to pop something and make a toast. We can make a toast with anything we want. Make a toast. I'd rather make a toast with fucking cyanide than champagne. I hate champagne. And everybody hates champagne. Today, my guest is Dr. Drew, who you probably know from Loveline or Celebrity Rehab or his guest appearances on countless other shows. Did you know that he spent years doing his first radio show for free? He is a passionate man, a kind man, a family man, and somebody to learn from. It is incredible to hear how his instincts have literally shaped his career. I can't wait for you to hear this. Hi.
1: Hey. How you been?
0: I'm okay. Um, I talked to you I think years ago on your show.
1: I feel like we've been talking for many years. You know what I mean? I feel like we've been crossing paths over and over. I either came on or were supposed to come on to your talk show back in the day.
0: We're all so old. How do you even remember anything? Don't even start me. Don't even start me. I just know that I know you. So um, where did you grow up? Oh, we starting now? <laughs> yeah, we've been starting. It's all, right, all okay, been recorded. Good.
1: Uh, I grew up in Pasadena, California. And uh, actually, I was born in Alhambra and lived there a couple of years. And um, I mean, go ahead and ask questions. I'm an open book, but there's a lot of interesting uh, intrigue in my uh, family of origin stuff.
0: Well, I, I like to get a sense of someone's upbringing, their socioeconomic upbringing, the work ethic that their family did or didn't instill, the sitting down to dinner, what the deal was with your family?
1: Yeah. So uh, my father's parents were uh, refugees from the Ukrainian genocide. Uh, my grandmother used to talk about the banditos coming in, and we never knew whether that was the czarist or the, uh, the pogroms, or we didn't know who, who she was talking about. She didn't know who she was talking about, but they knew to get out of there. And uh, they went through Canada, got they did the whole process of getting sponsors down here, came in through Hartford, ended up in Chicago, uh, opened a restaurant in time for the depression. And my father was profoundly traumatized by the depression. He's definitely a depression era kid. And um, what does
0: that mean? How are those? How are how? What is a depression era kid? How does that come out? What is that about being being penny wise?
1: He would well beyond. So so he and his father died when he was 21. By that point, he literally had finished medical school already by the age of 21. He was like, he felt like his his job to take care of the family and you know support everybody. But they literally didn't know where their next meal was coming from during the depression. They they were nearly homeless. And that freaked him out. So he was very traumatized around finances. And then that was communicated to me in the following way. Well, obviously, there was a, you know, an ethos about you know security and getting a profession and you know having having security and blah 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 blah. That was constant. But when I was about two or three years old, my father started uh, traumatizing me. So he would literally go regale me with stories about how when he was a kid he had no shoes and had to walk in the snow and blah 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 blah. And then you know, and so I would grow and need clothing. And his response to that was, oh, oh, I see you need new clothes. Okay, all right, well, you can get some new clothes, but when you do, tomorrow, I won't be here anymore because you're gonna have to come visit me in the poorhouse. I'll be in the poorhouse. A guilt and anxiety and but a huge elaborate story where I could stand outside and wave to him, but I couldn't talk to him through the window. I was three years old. I believed it completely.
0: That's money noise. So so you have money noise. You still have it no matter what, no right? matter
1: what. I can't get rid of it. It's a it, uh, can't get rid of it. It, it always tomorrow's the day. Catastrophe is coming. Catastrophe, catastrophe. Um, so, so I have an anxiety disorder. So that's, that's, the, that's not the only source of my anxiety disorder, but that was one of the things that I was anxious about growing up. And so when it came time to establish my own family, uh, I became a severe workaholic. I mean, severe. Like I would, get up, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning. I would struggle to get home by 10 o'clock at night. A weekend off meant an eight-hour workday on Saturday and Sunday. Those are my weekends off. Uh, and I did that for years and years and years and years. And it was in one respect, wonderful, because I took on responsibilities and had jobs that internists rarely get. Uh, I saw everything there was to see on the, on the medical and psychiatric landscape. I mean, I took care of and saw everything. And so it informed me medically and in my terms of my judgment in a profound way. And so that was a, I'm very grateful for that, but man, it was, uh, Brutal. And certainly it's, it made everything else seem easy. Everything. I mean, I, I can do a 14, 16 hour day now. Doesn't even, I didn't even flinch. It doesn't bother me at all. It's just that that was every day.
0: How does somebody... Get a hold of it because a lot of us are constantly thinking about our bills and what we owe and what we're making and you bought something and you want it but then you bought it now you have to figure out how to you yeah. know, fill the hole like all that you stuff
1: sp- any spending that even to this day particularly around clothing of course that's where my dad really traumatized me but any spending to this day i feel not just regret but anxious and overwhelmed and i, I have to i have to sort of go into denial in order to <laughs> in order to spend any. it's kind of weird Um, But the main thing for me is I had to have a buffer. I had to have a savings. I had to have that. I could not live without that. The pile. Uh, uh, A savings. And yeah, yeah. Enough, enough that the catastrophe that I imagined every day would, uh, you know, cover that.
0: And what about in your, with your kids, you have triplets, which sounds expensive and your wife and all that. How does that work at home?
1: It was, that was, you know, that was incredible and very stressful and just amazing. And um, and I think I—it's I, hard for me to tell exactly. It seems like they have three different um, experiences. Yeah, my daughter seems very comfortable, sort of just being making ends meet, and you know, making sure she—I mean, she's sensible, she's smart. Um, my other son, one of my sons who went to law school, is becoming a workaholic right in front of my eyes, and the other one I think has lots of anxiety about these things, but doesn't worry about it so much. It doesn't, 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 doesn't catastrophize, doesn't catastrophize the way I did. I'd say
0: being a quote unquote expert on so many matters, psychological and addiction and sex and relationships and all these things. What about the pressure for you to have a good relationship for you to be a good parent, for your kids to not be doing, you know, drugs and crazy. Like what about that internal, that noise? Like, You know, because a matchmaker, if they don't have a husband, they look like a loser, even though a lot of people don't have a husband, but they're a matchmaker. So they're supposed to be an expert on that.
1: There's let me tell you a longer story, but start with a shorter comment, which is I really didn't worry about that because I really I know that you're just you're just a parent no matter what you know, you're just reduced to parent no matter what your expertise and everything else. And because I ran a drug treatment center for 20 years, my um, I had some very strong sort of ideas about that that just were what they were, good or bad. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time telling parents of adolescent kids what they should do, and they rarely did it, and the kids died. And so that made me very, very rigid and very, very clear on things. And I, when they were my kids were about 14, I was like, look, you're gonna try stuff, but trust me, uh, I will bring the hatchet down. I will bring you know, if you, if you develop a drug habit, I'll make sure you get arrested. I'll make sure you go to jail. I, I will create consequences because without the consequences, you will die. And wow. I said, God forbid, if you have this disease of addiction. Now, if you're using, um, I want you to know that every adverse event in adolescence, you find alcohol, whether it's fights or unwanted pregnancy or STDs or unwanted sexual contact, whatever it is, you always found alcohol. So I know you're going to try to drink and okay, good luck. I uh, hope you hope you do well because you know I'll bring the axe down, but. God help you if you go to a party where parents are serving you alcohol, because I will show up with the sheriffs. I will drag those parents out. I'll be standing on the lawn laughing my ass off. So good luck. <laughs> so that's what I. So that made them not popular to go to parties. So I I, did, I had no alternative but to take that position. But but my own because I really I, I saw the consequences of parents being friendly and not being being very very right. clear about substances. And of course, my kids did use stuff and they they continue to this day, whatever. They're adults. That's on them. Uh, but during adolescence, the the consequences are so profound. I, I wasn't willing to take any risks about that. So my own adolescent story, though, is kind of interesting. So, you know, you you I've already talked about my anxiety disorder and stuff. I, I actually don't have that right now because I went to therapy and I want people to know that treatment works. And my psychological health, I spent many years in therapy and my my uh, psychiatric health, my mental health, my my anxiety disorder all that is like in i' wouldn't I would say cured, even not even in remission, but sort of cured. Wow. Uh, and i I therapy works, treatment works. I encourage it in the in the strongest terms. It worked for me. I had a bad experience with it, however, when I was an adolescent, I was nineteen. I was at Amherst College in New England, and I developed panic attacks. And I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I remember sort of, wandering into the health clinics. And I I knew enough to think it was a a psychological thing. So I went to the mental health services and they sent me back down to the the health clinic. And at the time, there was no adolescent healthcare. There were certainly woefully inadequate mental health services for adolescents. And the doctor at the, the, the student health services for the college was sort of some retired, almost farmer it seemed like to me from the New England area. And I came in there, and I was I was so miserable and so uncomfortable. And he looked at me like with disdain and went, "You need to take long walks in the woods. What's the matter with you?" And I was like, what? "I I happily if that would work, I, I tried it. does doesn't, doesn't work. In, in any event." Yeah, I was so poorly handled for a couple of years, frankly, uh, that it made me interested in sort of providing information and services to adolescents. It made me interested in mental health, you know, good mental health services. And I was on the road to be a cardiologist when I was a resident, but somebody offered me a job to moonlight in a psychiatric hospital, and I found that so interesting, and that's what sent me down the road of spending most of my time in a psychiatric hospital after years. Oh,
0: so that's the beginning of the trajectory. Okay, so first of all, do you drink at all?
1: Yeah, I do. I don't have the gene. I don't have the gene. I, I, you know, it's not good for you, but I use it for sure.
0: Do you you think that it's actually not good for you at all? Like, and this sounds crazy and you're a doctor. I don't, I don't believe in sleep medication. I I know it works, but it's, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it. I don't like the way I feel the next day. And I realized this when I used to go to LA, if I took, just vodka on the rocks, like not even that much, like four or five sips. Yeah. I would fall asleep the flight. So 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 if I can't sleep, I'll drink some vodka and alone, like not as yeah. if I'm drinking no socially just because it's better than sleeping. Yeah. Drink medicine Drink it alone, no
1: problem with that. Anyway. So, yeah. so <laughs> no,
0: no. I drink alone. This is my therapy. Okay. So, so
1: look, I have no issue with that whatsoever, especially if it works for you. However, I will say for other people listening. The problem with alcohol, it is induce somnolence in some people. Actually, the people with the gene for alcoholism actually get stimulated by alcohol. They tend to go wake up while the Uh non-alcoholic tends to go towards sleep, towards somnolence. The problem is with alcohol, after about four hours, it interferes with sleep latency. I agree. So you wake up four hours and can't go back to sleep. That's sort of what happens.
0: I agree. I I, I agree. That's so true. Uh, But yeah, but you don't feel like one drink a couple of times a week, you don't feel like that's problem. I don't mean problematic, but not healthy. It's so hard to say.
1: Look, I mean, the 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 reason I say it's not healthy is all that data about one glass of wine a day is good for your cardiac health, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but if you look at all cause mortality, the people that are drinking wine every day die sooner. And so, Mm -hmm. and and we know that alcohol is a carcinogen. And so what's the threshold for a given individual? I, I don't know.
0: I'd sooner. I'd love to not drink alcohol. I just like it.
1: If one thing that COVID has taught us, people should look very carefully at their philosophy of living. I feel very strongly people need to live and not freak out about their health all the time. And particularly end of life issues should be discussed at length. I hope COVID brings that to consciousness. In other words, do you ever want to be in a nursing home? Do you ever wanna be on a breathing machine? All these things should be discussed with your family. I never wanna be in a nursing home. The average life expectancy after admission to a nursing home is six months for a male. I do not wanna go in, get me palliative care. That's fine, it's all good. Don't string me out indefinitely in suspended animation with institutional support. That's insane, not me.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because I have a yoga teacher that I was uh, saying, God, I just wish I would. A lot of my friends stopped drinking. I wish I just didn't drink at all. And he said, "I think people." As a yoga teacher, he said, "I think people are underestimating joy in their life. 100%. Like everyone's talking about how rigid to be. Let's not do this. I, make me. I feel guilty. I'm like, oh God, you stop drinking. Your skin, your eyes. What could I be doing? But then you get anxiety, which is worse than than just having a drink and not worrying about it. Like th- so, it's a balance.
1: I just got back from France and they are interested in living over there god bless them they are about gathering and socializing and seller they just into it and in good yeah. things in life and I, we should all be thinking about not the duration of our life but the quality of our life and I know. and really you know when you get right down to it it's other people that make life meaningful and and not just Spending time with them, of course, that's very important. But what we can do for other people and engaging with other people, it's just, it's, we, I don't know what's the matter with us. Uh, We've gone nuts.
0: We've got, we've totally gone nuts. Um, so your trajectory started in that regard, but how does fame come into it? And what does fame mean to you? Do you, do you, do you hate it? Do you secretly like it? Do you wish you had more? Do you wish you had less? What's your relationship to
1: fame? I like it. It was an accident, complete accident. I started doing a, weekly radio show in 1984, primarily because one Anthony Fauci, I was deep in the AIDS epidemic. I was taking care of AIDS patients hand over fist. And Anthony Fauci kept telling us young guys, we got to educate people. We've got to change the behavior young people need to be reached. They And I, I was asked to be on a radio show just by accident. And I was stunned that no one these these, you know, this one of the most popular radio stations in Los Angeles. None of the audience seemed to have heard about this thing called AIDS or what it was. Or wow. It was unbelievable to me. So I said, Can I keep coming back? And I came back one night a week from then on, thinking I was doing community service. And I did that for about 10 years. And then uh my the 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 director of the station decided to put it on five nights a week, which was very difficult for me at the time.
0: Because that was a side hustle.
1: Well, I wasn't making any money. It was it was completely free, and, and it was just oh, wow. for it was just okay. community service. And my wife got pregnant with triplets the same week they decided to do that.
0: Non, what's it called? Non IVF, non fertility camp, non-
1: fertility campaign, full on. And we got pregnant with triplets and she said, uh, sorry, no more community service. If you're not doing diapers, you're out of the house, you're you're getting paid. So I went in, right. hat in hand, like, can I get us out? Can I please get paid? Started out at $50 a show. And um, and that was that. And it's sort of one thing led to another. I, in, there's no blueprint. There was no intent. There was always just me kind of exploring things. And, you know, so all of a sudden some TV producers came along. And they're like, we're going to do a TV show. Like, well, that's interesting. How do you do that? What, what does that even mean? I what you're talking about, oh. but I'm willing to, all right, let's try that. And uh, one thing led to do another and MTV, and then uh, it's just, it's just, I just, doors would open and I would try to figure out how to make them good, you know, how to make these worthwhile, how to make, make sure the impact move things in what I thought was a good direction.
0: So the collision of your father saying you need to make money, your own work ethic, and then the curiosity and wanting to help people all just sort of came together, converged and and I,
1: I would even say there's another there's another component which is I, I always really enjoyed performing and speaking and being in front of audiences. I like that. I, I enjoy that. I, 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 one of my favorite things now is to move an audience like in, like speaking in a room and, and, and taking a room, people and moving them and, and you know helping them have an experience that, that's deeply meaningful to me too.
2: So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. Do you um, get recognized every day, every time you're out? Is it, is it a lot?
1: It is always delightful because I like people and I'm, I'm an introvert. So for me to initiate a conversation with people is impossible. I can't oh, do it. Okay. And so to have somebody walk up and initiate a conversation, I'm grateful for it. Um, but in terms of the intrusiveness of it, that that goes up and down depending on what I'm doing. But you
0: can have, you have a good relationship with it. You can go, you can have a normal life. You're not like assaulted by it or anything. It's like, I, I
1: frankly don't understand people that are resentful of it. I, I don't get it because people are always great. Although I... They can, these days, with the with the weird world we live in now, you know, they, you, they perceive you to be part of a team or not part of a team, which I am not. I'm a completely independent. And so you'll get weird stuff that way now, which is a little bit a new thing. But um, other than that, no problem.
0: You know, my day, you didn't take a picture of yourself and be like, look how good I look. Look at me doing this. Look at me doing that. No. Like, forget no. even social media about posting your food. But I just mean, like... This is my great life. I'm so rich. I bought this thing. You know, and I I swear on everything I hope to be. I don't like doing social media. I find it to be a business necessary evil. But I still always feel when someone works on a social media team, oh, we'd love to see a picture of you in a bathing suit. You know, you're a skinny girl and you're in good shape and you're 50. And, And I just, what about all this? What about... I, how unhealthy it is for young girls to see these unrealistic images. What about celebrities portraying their entire perfect life and then resenting the fact that we, we, we get we get excited when they break up and we want all the details and then they want privacy? What about all that to you?
1: Pretty much everything about social media disgusts me. I'm disgusted by it. I, I'm disgusted. I have the exact same relationship with it that you do, which is sort of a reality that if you're going to be doing things in the media, you, you're required to do it and uh, I would rather not do it. Uh, I have uh, I see on a regular basis how fake news is created out of things I say. I'll say one thing and it gets converted into something that's not even related to what I said. Right. And then that becomes a story. And then that's what people react to. It's disgusting Uh, in terms of projecting your life out into the world. I mean, Mazel tov to the people that you know like doing that. Um, I, and I, I'm when I was sick with COVID, uh, TikTok was my friend, and and I really enjoyed, I appreciated that people were making content that was interesting.
0: That's different because that's expressing yourself in an entertaining way if done properly. I find that to be an outlet. I'm not on television now, and when I do a skit or that feels like you're acting or something, because you're actually literally yeah. copying. So that That's feels right. a little different than look at how great my life is.
1: So, so you and I feel the same way that there there is such a thing as content that is good and entertaining and informative, and and I do believe that to be true. Same. Uh, it's a hard it's a hard thing to navigate because you know getting people to watch something and and tweet you know make something viral usually is because it's outrageous or something and right. not necessarily that useful and informative. But be that as it may, there is a there is a piece of it that I feel good about. Um, which is when people try to do something meaningful with it. I, I went down, I went down uh, rabbit holes when I was sick, on you know history and physics, and there's a lot of stuff there that's kind of yes. interesting. And I and I really appre- I was really grateful for the people that created that stuff. But the average thing on Twitter, you know, when I I retweet every morning with like my like half my 90 degree head aversion with one eye to the side, I like, oh, what horror am I going to encounter today? And it, it really is not good for your soul.
0: I, it's it's dirty, first all, with the exception of relief work, where I've literally done probably over 100. I've done definitely over 100 million dollars in, in relief work worldwide and largely because of Twitter and Instagram. So for that reason, it's good. That's great. So cancellation is such a big topic. And I recently was saying that I feel that people who are I feel that like the people who are falling the hardest are the people that are projecting perfection or Goodness, or I'm so rich. Oh,
1: that's interesting.
0: Those are the people that it's 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 the worst for because they're just yeah. You just want to pull it down because you know that it's been such a bag of bullshit. So I wonder what you think about that.
1: Well, uh, I think that's a really interesting construct. I I know I have never had any other intent in media other than to do good and to make a difference in a positive direction. That is my. Otherwise, I can't even imagine being in media for just because it was hey, it's me. Oh that no seems way. Empty, empty, and you know. Um, so when I get canceled, I guess that's where it comes from. But I, I get it on a regular basis, and it's always it's always bewildering and astonishing to me. And it also, it also, um, it it when when people come after me, they always project sinister intent onto me, which is some of the most uh, horrible feeling. Like one of the weird fantasies I had growing up was I, I hated the idea of being accused of something I hadn't committed. And now I'm getting used to that on a daily basis. That that's, that's all, they're always wrong. They're a million miles off who I am and what my intent is. And yet that goes down as the reality.
0: But don't you think that when you are on the edge and almost in trouble, or all, like uh, you know on the brink of cancellation for something, that that sort of makes you stronger because you you figure out how to navigate things and like you're not holding the steering wheel so tight that you're white knuckling it, but you don't let go. You're kind of. Navigating the car and that makes you more strong and resilient as a business person, as a doctor.
1: I, I think that's an interesting idea. I, I, because I've been through so many shitstorms and, and they've all been so far off the truth, it's just amazing to me. Um, it, it, it still leaves a residual. I, well, it, it teaches you how to keep going, right? It teaches you how to keep going through adversity and to, you know, keep your clear on what your intent is and clear on your, you know, you have to constantly update your priors. You have to make sure you're in the right zone and you're clear in what you're doing and you're being honest, thoroughly honest and 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 forthcoming. But it still leaves a, I don't know, leaves a residual that I don't like. And so maybe one day that kind of goes away with enough building and enough progress, I guess. Uh, So it does make you resilient. It does make you uh, understand consistency and movement and pushing forward and, uh, you know, knowing where your North Stars are and being clear about who you are and what what your intent is. So I guess that's good.
0: I tell people, and I think it's very um, comforting that- my success is because of old school hard work. I mean, I'm 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 yeah. smart, I'm nimble, I'm 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 a chess player, but most of it's like I will work harder than anyone. I d- you know, nothing can get me down. I get down, I get right back up. So, I feel that that is hopeful in a world of filtering and bullshit for people to realize there is all of that and that's all the shiny objects and the makeup, but the frosting, but the cake is the work.
1: I'm 100% with you that that is a necessary requisite. I I I and not only is it requisite to moving forward and succeeding, it's an important part of it. You know, you have to, it, it's what makes uh, some of the successes feel good. You know, that you've just, you really worked so mm-hmm. hard. I mean, I, I so my, true. my work is, I, I mean, the amount of, stuff I put in, you know, my wife has just come to it. She's wandering around here right now. But she has come to accept it. She, she just goes, oh yeah, Drew's a workaholic and fill in the blank. Right, right. And so, and, and believe me, I, I'm through therapy and whatnot. I'm a lot better than I was, but I do believe that that's a thing. However, people being critical of you and I saying that would say, well, you're two white people. You both came from a certain background. You had an education. You're, you're in a position to do that, which is true. However, lots of people are in that position and and don't do this and don't, aren't successful. Maybe don't want to be, um, but but that it, it, it is that that piece is critical. It is a critical piece. And yeah, and, and I'm grateful that for the things that set me up. I really am grateful. I don't take it for granted at all, but I could have very easily languished. I, I almost did. I would say, you know, when I was trying to decide what direction, it's very hard for me to make a choice. And I had lots of, you know, I was. Contemplating becoming an opera singer at one point. I mean, I had lots of things I was. You sound a little
0: paralyzed.
1: I was by choices when I was like nine. That was part of my depression and anxiety and stuff I was going through at that time. For me, one of the skill sets that I have found to be the most, in addition to hard work and proper training and actually having a skill that's worthwhile and really developing that skill, but being able to synthesize. Your talents, you know what I mean, to to pull in everything that you have and and deploy them in in complex ways. I think that's a something people don't talk about very much.
0: You mean the recipe, putting it all all the ingredients together. I, I mean, to make well, I
1: mentioned nice... I mentioned that I liked speaking to audiences. Well, that's what motivated me to kind of go, oh, radio, that'd be interesting. I kind of might mm-hmm. enjoy that, and and not going, oh no no, I'm a doctor, I won't do that. That's beneath me. I was willing oh. to sort of integrate these things, and not only that another piece that, that for your audience they might appreciate I was willing to go into environments that I shouldn't have been in in order to reach people if I meant that I could do something good like having a, a young doctor on a rock radio station that was outrageous right that was outrageous and 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 I was 25 years old and I thought it doesn't seem outrageous to me right uh, and so as a result you know also there's another piece in there for your audience which is trust your instincts particularly when you're young. <laughs> I think young people have incredible instincts and they're constantly judged and sort of we we you know think what they're doing is crazy or wrong or whatever. I, I'm one of those people and I persevered and it, it was wrong to judge my instincts at that time.
0: Well, it's funny. You, you just said something that reminded me of something that happened to me recently. There was a girl working in my organization and she's good. You just couldn't tell she's good. But she was working as an assistant and she sort of was crumbling. Like she couldn't handle it. She wanted to leave. I wanted her to leave. I wanted her to quit and to fire her at the same time, but I liked her and I thought she was loyal. And I was in between sleep and wake. And I said to myself, wait a second, let me just take that puzzle piece. I keep trying to jam over here and create this new position for her where she really does just, she's the person who interacts with people. She's the person who talks to, you know, vendors or staff or clients and like process. And, and I just switched up the The formula and we literally I would have felt badly that she had to leave and she would have felt like a failure. And now she's thriving. It's about having people be in the best position to thrive. Someone could seem terrible and be amazing at something else. And just like us, I'm terrible at a talk show because I don't want to be confined.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I know exactly. What you're this is free right though. Being
0: like a talk show, like coming up next, and when we get back. Yeah, no, and, I've done. Yeah.
1: I've done that. I know yeah. what that is. I believe yeah. I know what that is. But, so, but, I'm sorry
0: for my little monologue, but that just I want you reminded me of that.
1: No, listen, there were two very important messages I think embedded in what you just said. One was a very important story about being a manager, about being a good boss. I mean, that was an amazing story, management story that I've never heard sort of crystallized that way. Which is, make sure you have. Create the right job for the right people. I mean, that's who. I mean, normally we're just I need this, I need that, I need that. Who am I going to cram in? This, that's a brilliant insight. Number one, and then number two, and this is the more difficult part, which is if you're somebody who is struggling, there's, and I this is a this is a hard call, right? Do you just work harder and push through and learn resiliency and learn how to you know thrive in an a job that doesn't fit you, Mm -hmm. or do you? take an, uh, an inventory of what you really want to do and go quickly look for that thing that fits better with who you are. I don't know the answer to that, frankly. I, I, I think each person should, again, th- this is where the instincts come in. You have to really, and instincts are hard to hear when you're anxious and you're overwhelmed and you've got differing priorities in your life. In Instincts are that that just that voice off in the distance that just goes that way. Th- that's right. And just see if you can listen to that.
0: But this is good for employers and employees, because if they're communicating as an employee, you can go say, hi, how is this working? Am I doing that? You know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not great at. Be communicative as if you're getting into a relationship because you don't want to be at the wrong job and you don't want to hire someone that, you know, isn't going to go the distance. So to be able to have that back and forth communication, just like a relationship Agreed. about what, who I am, who I'm not, everybody's not supposed to be good at everything.
1: And to be fair, but that, that with the, I'm learning more and more about you as a manager and a boss. I mean, not every boss wants that, right? And so right. you have to kind of assess those things too. Fact, true. So it, it's challenging, man. And and I look, I feel bad for millennials right now. I mean, they they are struggling. They're trying to find their way, they're trying to figure out their the meaning and and the they, the noise that they live with is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
0: It's a different. It's a lot of stim, A lot of stimulation going. A lot of activation that is terrible. It's so much, it's too much activation. Um, so what percentage do you think you're lucky or you've been lucky?
1: You know, that, that's an interesting question. A, a luck, uh, always a, a opportunity, you know, luck slash opportunity is what we're talking about. And, uh, the only really lucky break I had, let's see if there are other lucky things I mean, I'm lucky to have been, you know, raised when I was, I was lucky to have made a commitment to go into medical school, I sort of, for, I, I, that sort of fortunate more than lucky that, that I made a good choice. Yes. Lucky that the luck was I lived next to a radio station and somebody advised, somebody brought my name up as something that could help with a community service show. That was lucky. Now I could have very easily gone, what are you taught? What? You want me to do what? I don't. <laughs> I can't do that. There's a million things that could have happened between me having that lucky break and, and forget not having a radio career, not going up there that first night and kind of exploring mm-hmm. what's going on. So readiness, ability to explore, instincts, all those things were on my side. And those are not luck. Th- those are Those are attributes. And so I was able to see this thing when I went up there the first night and go, oh my God, I need to keep coming back. This is important. These kids need to hear about this. My patients are dying hand over fist, and they don't even know this. I thing was exists. feeding you too. It, well, I and was it was feeding also you. it was feeding me in terms of speaking to a large group. But also it was interesting. I was in this cultural environment where I was meeting rock stars every week, and it was just it was fascinating. It was like so different than everything else I was doing. And it sort of was a great outlet for me at the same time.
0: Well, that sounds like luck because you're an introvert, but you doesn't mean you don't have a personality and you don't like to have a little bit of action and fun. People confuse those two because yeah. I'm I'm in a relationship yeah. with an introvert. And believe it or not, I'm very insular. So even though I'm very opinionated and talk a lot, I don't ever go out. Like I literally it's a it's a it's almost a problem like i literally don't ever ever, I don't (laughs) what
1: is it what is that (laughs) I just don't I don't I
0: I make the plan and then I start to try to get out of the planet I don't want to go I'm never not in pajamas I you know shower before every podcast one of these because I just want to feel good but I don't ever put makeup on or go out unless I'm being paid I mean like never literally never is, you- is it
1: is it just because you want to you just like being uh casual or you it's a hassle to interact or too much energy what is it i just don't anxiety uh, i
0: yeah maybe i just don't understand like what's the point i could be here I, <laughs> yeah I, I unless it's with my daughter experiences with my daughter and being on unab- <laughs> for her that's a great statement i could be here i don't need to be there yeah so there's no there there so it's a big thing for me to. i just was talking to paul about like okay should we, we got invited on this trip. They're 15 years older than us. If I just said this sentence. I said, if we can't like socially keep up with people that are 15 years older than us, then we have a fucking problem. <laughs>
2: So do what you can to help join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand attempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker retail associate grocery store clerk fitness trainer baker stylist bellhop podcast producer yeah snag a job's got a worker for that with their easy to use platform you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
0: So you are a workaholic. Will you keep, you'll just keep going until the music stops? You'll, I mean, you don't, you don't seem to need to be relevant. You just like to feed this machine
1: yeah i just like to do stuff i like to produce stuff i like to make a difference i i i you know i still practice medicine i i can't i don't see an end in that i i i, I think a lot about that all right now by the way uh so when i was lying there sick with covid i had terrible covid i was sick for like three months I, a- and i sat there thinking well first of all i'm just che- i'm out i'm checked out i'm miserable and the world is fine so certainly I can check out and have fun and the world will be fine too. Right. So I immediately thought we need to travel. We need to go do stuff. And so that's sort of the mode I'm in right now. And as I get more and more into that, I, I think more and more about, well, how much more, how long, what, what's the relevance, and, you know, and with the world, the way it is, you know, old white male, they don't want you around. They really would like you to be gone, right? which is kind of, which I have two sort of versions of that. One is, wow, well, what a that's harsh, and the other version is, Jesus, I have I have a society will lose something. I have a experience that is profound that really very few physicians even have anymore. I know a lot of things instinctively and clinically about the human experience that. People don't know. They don't have that experience anymore. And I need to share that. And th- this, the, the world at large would lose something if I just stepped out.
0: I like that. I like that. Do people ask about you in this way or it's always you talking about other people? Do you talk about yourself that often or not really?
1: People do get interested in me. Yeah, sure. They get interested in what my background is and stuff. And, and I've got even more crazy stuff in my heritage. Um And I I don't know, I I guess maybe now at this stage, people get kind of interested in that because I had this happen to you with, you know, who are you after all? So, but I've never, I've never withheld anything. I mean, I'm always wide open.
0: Yeah. Well, you have, I guess you have to be to be able to people to trust you to, to give their secrets. What about now? This is just two more questions. One is successful relationships. I talk to a lot of successful people in successful relationships. And I've heard from so many different people, the common ones that, not common, the ones that jump off the page for me is they give each other a long leash. They really very much have their own lives. They check in with each other during the day at one point, but not just like, how is the day? Literally, how are you? How's it going? Or whatever. What what, what do you say? What are your your tools?
1: That's all good and important, but there were long periods of time where I was so into my workaholism that that wasn't happening and yet we survived it, right? Yeah. Uh, and we're married 30 years uh, together in one form or another 38 years. Holy shit. And, and still, I wake up every day excited to be around this person. And, and there is, I hope she feels the same way, I think she does. <laughs> uh, and there is something about, it, and I and people don't talk about this because it's almost impossible to talk about which is fittedness of the people. You have to be, Susan, you still excited to be around me every day? She just laughed. So I don't know quite what that means. But But Suzanne (laughs)
0: Summers said exactly what you just said. Suzanne Summers said the same thing you just said. Like it's about fit. And so did Ian Schrager. He said that same thing. We just are perfectly matched.
1: And it reminds me of, this is going to sound weird, but it reminds me of recovery from addiction in the sense that it's one day at a time. It's like I am just as happy and excited to be around this person as I was when we were in our twenties, and I'm assuming I'll feel that way tomorrow. I may not, but it's today. Today is Got what it. counts. So it's one day at a time, and you know, trying to, uh, to be forever that that doesn't even make sense to me. But uh, today okay. I'm excited. Today I'm into it. Today we have great process. We have great fun, and and I would say the the biggest thing we have overcome somehow uh is in you know fighting so-called which we don't do very much of we we know very clearly that if somebody wins the relationship loses so we, so we very we very quickly get off stuff we're not we're not interested in being right or wrong or better than that it just it just we both lose if our relationship loses if if somebody insists on being a certain way so
0: and then last question is of your career not of your relationship your rose and your thorn
1: Okay, so I'm just going to go with my instincts on this because I've had lots of really interesting high points. I mean, celebrity rehab was obviously an extraordinary experience. But but for me, the 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 biggest (laughs) this is going to sound weird, but um, oh, gosh. okay, I I, I had I have two high points. One was my, my residency. I loved being a resident. I loved the swashbuckling. I was a chief resident. I taught general medicine. I love that. I love doing celebrity rehab. That was an extraordinary experience that we all shared together that is just one of a kind. But in terms of sort of the highest, the most sort of the thing that jumps out for me was like season two of Line with me and Adam and Diane Farr, where I felt like it was just joy every day and going in and doing this thing that it was so far removed from anything i imagined i would ever do it was sort of this extraordinary like what the hell what am i doing this is and 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 I, and i and i it's funny i felt connected to every member of our staff every cameraman every card holder every makeup person And when that ended, I was shocked like that, but that was our family. We were all, we were in love. It was this thing, you know, and I, that was my first experience with television that it's all just sort of, it's here today, out tomorrow and everyone scatters and that's it. You never see these people again. That was a shock to me. So that was a high low, uh, I, I, what comes to mind, you know, these shit storms that people pull me into the most recent one where I was telling people to listen to the CDC and let Dr. Fauci be your North Star and calm down and don't listen to the press, that was converted into fake news where I was somehow denying COVID and it just became this terrible shitstorm that I'm still having trouble shaking.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, that sucks, but um this too shall pass, I suppose. And then this was a just bonus question because I thought of it while you were talking. Should celebrities be with other celebrities, or is it two peacocks in the relationship? It's too much
3: because yeah,
1: it, it, it's it's a great question. and and it's it's certainly evidence suggests that that doesn't work great. Uh, I, you know, uh, and the other thing I, I worry you could maybe comment about this. it seems like whenever reality cameras get into a relationship, the the shit goes down i don't know what it is the only two couple i can point at is is uh ozzy and sharon that survive reality cameras you know everybody else has real trouble
0: well there's two parts to it one is that a lot of times they get into it because things are going bad like camille and kelsey kelsey grammar kind of gave that to her as like a send-off and that happens sometimes meaning You know, I I don't know that Yolanda and her husband weren't having some issues before. Like somebody needs to do that to feel something. Because if somebody is successful and has some money, I cannot imagine why they would want to enter into that at that low pay grade just for relevance, because that's a nightmare. So I was broke. I had $8,000 to my name when I went on the house. So there's really my rent was, you know.
4: Yeah, in the 2000s. No, it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Um, well, yeah. this was so interesting. I'm so excited because I just know about all these people, but I just know the headline. And now to actually get to speak to you, it's fascinating and interesting. And I'm really grateful for you giving me your time.
1: And I appreciate it. I really appreciate the interview and uh, and the time. And more, more importantly, I hope we. By sharing our stories, we're helping other people. I, I if there's I, I'd be happy to, by the way, if you have any, if your world has any follow-on questions or I'd be, I'd actually be interested because I, I wonder how this is received and, and and any feedback or refinement of things we're saying, I I'm open to it. I, I, uh, like I it. love that. But, okay. And, My producer's elicited. So good. And there's one other thing I would say for people who I, I get interviewed occasionally by sort of um, in this kind of vein by, you know, success and business and management stuff. And, and I and I always, uh, I, I got to a realization that there's one other feature we have not talked about here that I think is a critical piece of all of this, which is you must care. You must care about what you are doing, whether you're a boss or a manager or a doctor or going to media, The word care for me has just developed a a bigger meaning Uh, it's interesting heidegger had that as sort of a central feature i I know Heidegger was a nazi i got it but 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 his philosophy what uh, caring as a central feature and it was sort of a technical term but i have been thinking about it for years since i read his stuff and and i do think that that really caring deeply and that's usually about other people and about the impact of what you're doing and the quality and all that stuff i think that's an important word to keep top of mind
0: I like that. And it's so true. It's simple. It's the simplest things, caring, and it makes you have more integrity and be doing things for the right reasons. That's I love right. That.
1: Exactly right. Oh, oh, well, Bethany, one other thing. This I was supposed to promote my book. <laughs> Can I do that?
0: Oh, promote. Oh.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I wrote it with my daughter. It was really fun. It was really cool. How old is she? 28.
0: Uh, so what does it mean? It doesn't have to be awkward.
1: It, it's it's a how it's for 14 to 18 year olds, 14 to 20 year olds really, and how to navigate difficult topics in relationships. It's for parents also to help young people sort of understand these things. We we, you know, it, it sort of starts with sex and drugs and those kind of things, but really we want to we talk about relationships overall and how to make them healthy.
0: Amazing. Have an incredible day and tell your wife I said hello.
1: Thanks, Bethany. Talk to you soon.
0: That was so great. What a great, nice man. And uh, I'm interested in his book, It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward, that he wrote with his daughter. I just love, can I just tell you the truth? I know Dr. Drew because I did his show years ago. And obviously I know about Loveline and I, I know from Celebrity Rehab, I know Dr. Drew. Last night, for some reason, I thought I was interviewing Dr. Phil. And then when I w- started reading last night, I'm like, wait, this isn't Dr. Phil, it's Dr. Drew. And I got so excited just to like, switch lanes in my mind and hear about Dr. Drew. (laughs) Maybe we will have Dr. Phil on, but uh, I just was so pleasantly surprised because I know him, but I don't know him. All these people we think we know because we read about them, we see pictures of them, we're aware of them as media personalities, but you don't really get a sense of the fact that that person grew up in like a depression era type upbringing and worked so hard and is a legitimate doctor and wants to help people and is so nice. And I don't know. I just thought that was a really surprising, incredible conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Please ask questions because we're thinking about answering business questions at the beginning of this podcast because I'm getting so many of them. Um, And I want to start answering them. And just thank you. Appreciate you. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
3: That's slash compatibility.
2: Zumo Play.